spidey senses tingling. Hello, hello. Don't need money. Don't need fame. Don't need a credit card to ride this train. Welcome to the paper keg. Wow. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Jonesy is yeah. on fire. Honey in your voice, <laughs> Paper keg number two. Papercake.com. Check it out. Uh, what's we all read, our, uh, read articles. For, what's for the, what's the line? What's the, Brian, what's the line for the show? Uh, paper keg. Four <laughs> dudes and comic books. Your move, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> because the world needs another comic podcast. We're here. Uh, we are, we're back in Dale's house. Dale underscore A. Glad to have you guys. Welcome back. We made the trek back again. Back we to did. the phantom zone of the United States, also known as New Jersey. Not the same day. We're not recording two episodes in one no, day. No, no, we're not. I am now sober. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jonesy is here, uh, you know, writer. Uh, writer. That's, that's about it. Connoisseur of Beer? cigars. Cigars. Mm-hmm. It's um, true. Alcohol. Mark, Mark, Mark Farrington is here also, everybody. He that is hits. black. He is here. Yeah. He is here to stay. You wearing an right. awesome gray turtleneck. I hate being cold. Leave me alone. Batman nice. historian. Batman family genealogist. Bat yeah. expert. That sounds good too. That's fine. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into some news. You know, uh, we'll get into the books that we're reading. We'll get into God loves, man kills. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. That's uh, it? that's a good Claremont. Save for the show. Save for the show. Yeah. Save for the show. <laughs> and then uh, we'll close the show with uh, the letters. That we uh, that we're getting, you know, this is the second episode. The ratings are in; it's a hit. Thanks for the Out feedback, of guys. The park. We got. If you want to email the show with some comments, if you disagree with everything Mark Farrington says, you can email letters at papercake.com. And conversely, if you want to tell me how much you agree, or if you want to rate the show, I don't know if that's true. If that would happen. You know, mm. we don't know that. Hypothetically. Whatever Hypothetically. you do, don't review us on iTunes. Absolutely. So that will result in the end of the world. It's It could be exactly what Farrington wants. You know, so we just need to do the opposite of what that is. Farrington, are you all right? You're doing something. Did you just destroy your Farrington head? Farrington just did hey, a hey, jig. Hey. Why don't right you guys now. get back to the news? He's I doing the worm over here. He's now, so- last time you messed with a headset, you cut it with a pair of scissors. So, pa- so. Paper Keg uh, number two, at this point, this show is posted... And has yeah, plug that in all the way away. And has a fantastical cover by the Brad Heitmeyer. Oh, great! My partner in crime. Your partner in crime. He did the first episode too. It's it should be up there right now. I yeah. don't know what the date is right now, but it should <laughs> be. <up. laughs> I'm looking time. into the future when this episode is posted. Uh, by a few minutes. So we have some news to get into. You know, hmm. we want to get into some news. Comic news. Some? Comic book news. Uh. Spider Island. God, lame. <laughs> Spider Island. <laughs> that was the first thing you picked up out of all those news bites. I Spider like, Island. I like saying Spider Island. Spider Island. <laughs> is this, uh, now, Spider don't get me wrong. This is where Spider Man has a survivor type reality game on an island you where he need fights to spiders. Leave right now. <laughs> I would watch that show. Jeff Tropes does the. You know, uh, Manhattan is. Is getting quarantined because I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why it's getting quarantined. Uh, members of Manhattan 
are getting Spider-Man. <laughs> Dale's son just uh, stopped in to say hello. Grayson John. Uh, people in Manhattan are getting are getting Spider-Man's powers. I don't want to alarm him. What? Wow. <laughs> you just blew out the whole mixer. Including the heroes? Like and villains? Too. No. Uh, yeah, no. you don't know, but Manhattan has been quarantined. So it's Spider like, Woman is getting actual spider powers right now. She's getting relevant <laughs> is what's happening. She's getting relevant. Uh, your thoughts on Dan Slot Spider-Man thus far. Go, Dale. <laughs> All right, Slim. Uh, dance, I mean, I don't know. I like Spider-Man. I like Dan Slot on Spider-Man. He's only, what, once every every three, epi- three issues? Um Spider Island, something, I mean, I don't know. Spider I dream about being Spider-Man Island. at least once a week, though, so. Absolutely. I'm going to get PO'd I when d- I don't have spider powers in the rest of, of Manhattan. I'm a Batman then. daydreamer myself. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> wow. Derail. Probably should let you know. just sounds so absurd. On a side note, have you, when you guys were kids, did you ever put your underwear on your head and pretend you were Spider-Man? No. <laughs> Neither did I. Shut it down. I was Shut just it. asking. Shut it down. Spider Island. You were saying, Dale. So yeah, uh, well, I don't know. That's all I know about <laughs> Spider Island thing. so far. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like Spider Man. I'll never Dan Slott's like uh, um, his issue with Marcos Martin. You know, when he went through that, you know, that uh, daydream scenario about all those people dying his whole life. I'm making a hand motion right now. That's psychedelic. It's like Jim Morrison over here. It was, here. Great, it was a great, great issue. You know, the Dan yeah, it was. I uh, I didn't like Big Time when it first started, but uh, I'm coming around. Coming around. Coming around. I think Dan Slott. Caught a lot of flack for big time, didn't he? I think I think, I think we can a... all agree that the worst thing about Dan Slot is his Twitter account. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> what's wrong with his Twitter account? I don't even he, follow you know, Dan Slot. I can't agree with uh, with Dale. Cat can write. He but not on Twitter. He's he's <laughs> he was a mad, he's a mad Twitterer. You know, like I, more I, than you. Yeah, more than me. You have like twenty thousand posts. I don't know. If you know I that. do, and that's over three years. So you need to relax, okay? <laughs> Where has been a row for three years? It's been a long five years, I think. God bless. <laughs> Who are you blessing right now? <laughs> and Mark, what do you have? Like four tweets? <laughs> They're all gems, Jones. No, They're uh, all gems. Uh, Dan Slot, uh, you know, I love love him to death. Yeah. Twitter yeah, I account, maybe Spider-Man. maybe I don't love so much. Yeah, I agree. You know, he, someone actually bashed him on one of the message boards wow. uh, recently, and he he went off on him. He couldn't take oh, it anymore. Dan Slot, good he for might, him. He yeah, I agree. Now for. Trashing his Twitter account. Hey, yeah, when I have to talk about it, when inherited goes and someone needs a bad review, I'm gonna be like, "You are entitled to your opinion, sir." <laughs> right. And then you're gonna. <laughs> but talk I about disagree. Like <laughs> then you're gonna talk wait. about him like a dog on I'm Twitter. I'm sticking up for you, you on, know, on you the paper keg. You're gonna talk trash on your readers in the paper mm-hmm. keg. I'm gonna drop it in the op-ed section. You know what? Is um, <laughs> as much as we don't like big time, I was talking to some of the guys over at Brave New World who what? working in the comic store. Beardo and. Now it wasn't Beardo. Um, they're telling me that since big time, Amazing Spider-Man sales numbers have gone up. Good. Good for Spider-Man. That's where Spider-Man should be. Absolutely. At the top. top. Absolutely. Of swinging. <laughs> swinging towards the swinging top. Swinging the top. Umberto Ramos. I love him on Umberto. Spider-Man. I love him. I, uh, I, uh, I didn't like uh, Ramos. Do you remember uh, Civil War? Yeah. Wolverine? Oh, yeah. That, His oh, art yeah, was a little too goofy. For me, on Wolverine, you know, I take my Wolverine seriously. I like him so much, Spider Man's, but uh, maybe, maybe. I'll yeah, I think uh, Spider Man is is a good fit. Um, so, Spider nice Island coming yeah. soon. Wow, 
No yeah. one sounds excited about it. Let's get excited right now. Starbucks. Like uh, when their pumpkin comes around every year, their pumpkin lattes. Can we talk about the salted caramel hot chocolate? Oh, uh, let's what? talk about it. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening. Right heavens. Now. I could go for a caramel frappe. That's what I like. Oh, no whip. No whip. No whip. I get a beer out the fridge. I come back and you guys are talking about <laughs> Starbucks. Thanks for getting me a beer, by the way. I really do appreciate that. Wow. Aren't you driving? No. We took your car. We'll talk about it later. Uh, so, Starbucks. You know, Marvel revealed their Chrome web viewer, mm-hmm. HTML mm-hmm. viewer. So, if you're on the uh, laptop and you want to read up some Marvel comics, you can't do it inside of Comixology's web viewer, begrudgingly. Oh, right, right. So, you got to go to uh, Marvel's own web viewer, which is similar to their subscription web viewer, which is total trash. Let's just so come out and say it. Is this in conjunction with the subscription based? No. Monthly? No. Uh, as far as I know, oh it's two God. different Shut things. It down. I mean, <laughs> this Shut is it. fragmentation uh, but within Marvel. What's worse is, you know, you buy Marvel books via Comixology. Mm. When I tested out that Chrome Marvel viewer, I had like, I don't know, I bought maybe 60 books through that app, but only seven showed up inside the Marvel web what? viewer. Why? So there, there's some weird syncing issues. I don't know what that is. What is that? Is that a coffee beer? Is that a coffee beer? Might be. It's my beer. We're taking people out of the show right now. We're yeah. taking them out uh, of the there's show. There's no more lager left. What's happening? You jerk. Here. Uh, no, that's cool. Yeah, do whatever. So, if you're going to Starbucks and you want to power up that web viewer, you, you get to read their entire library free. Wow. What? Yeah. Inside that crappy web wow. viewer. Do you have to log? Hey. Like create a login? Uh, you should have a Marvel login since you use the Marvel app. No, anyway. my Comixology login. You've never used the um, the Marvel app? I do. Then you should have a Marvel login. No, man. I use my Comixology login in the Marvel app. I'm you, not crazy. You believe this guy right now? Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> open, I up, think I do. open up your Marvel app right oh, now. Man, this is bullshit. Whoa, whoa. So there we go. Oh, the cursing. Ten minutes in. <laughs> Dale, you do it since he's yeah. obviously just going to drown himself if he tries <laughs> to move that hand. But the 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 logins, uh, Marvel has their own login. If you log out, they'll see what it says. It should say, use your Marvel.com login. Um, but as far as I know, what's it say right there? Existing Marvel.com's user. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate everyone proving me right. Thank you. I'm still right. You, what are your thoughts on going to Starbucks to read free Marvel comic books, Mark Farrington? I'm all for it. I mean... It's a good way to expose people who haven't read comics to comics, and it's free. It free is my free. favorite word. I love free things. I won't lie to you right now. Yeah. Have you ever? Often. Oh. This re- is, what? Now, this would be an awkward scenario because if I were in Starbucks right now, I wouldn't remember my Marvel.com login since I was made to log out just now. <laughs> so I am. Well, if you were street. smart, you would make both logins the same. Comics LG okay, and Marvel. Yeah. Okay, can I know that's what I did. Does, does anyone see the, the biggest glaring problem with this? None of the so cool I, kids I'm, are... I'm Joe Blow user. I'm going to go in to get a latte. I'm going to take the time to sit down, log on to the Starbucks free Wi-Fi. That's half of Then America. log in again to Marvel.com. So you have and to then remember start two passwords? three steps. That's not terrible. So you have to remember two passwords? Right, that's what I'm saying. I can't, don't obviously, don't I don't even know what login I use. Can I interject here? You don't need a password to get free Wi-Fi. Let me just throw that out there right now at All Starbucks. Right. It's out there. Okay. So now you only need one login. 
that it's too much work for you? I don't know. Jesus, you can't just type it in free. your smartphone and then keep it there at all times? Yeah, I guess. What about, actually, no, it only works on laptops and desktops. Ah. So it's not an iOS app. No, I meant he couldn't just type the password in his notes. Oh, okay. Besides, the great, best thing about that is it gets new, it potentially gets new people into comics. Yep. Once people get over that stigma of reading a comic out in public, it's like, oh, maybe I'll try this. I just watched Iron Man. Maybe the comic is as cool as the movie. They're in. It helps to keep the industry thriving. Jonesy, you got a question. Was it you or Dale that got the questionnaire from Marvel about digital comics? It wasn't me. No, it was me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you take that. it? Yeah. How was it? It was long. It yeah? Was, uh, it was very professional from a, a survey firm of some kind, but they were asking all kinds of questions regarding my use of digital comics, paper comics, uh, how often I go to the comic store, how often I use... Uh, they named Comixology the Marvel app. Um, they wanted, uh, you know, people's use on... Um, you know, CB downloading CBZs from torrents and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like they really wanted to get into the mind of a, a digital comic reader uh, and find out what they need, and able to uh, to enable them to read comics, Marvel comics, uh, you know, on a, on a grander scale, which was really cool. Dan Date was it was a question, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, you you got to rank your importance. So of course, Dan Date and Price were you know my biggest highest priorities. But it was cool that I got the questionnaire. It made me think that they were really thinking about this. Even when you, you you may lose hope and just figure you know they're doing whatever they do with the the interns there, but were you able to say that three dollar four dollar digital comics are the stupidest thing ever? Were you able um, to say that? No, there was no comment section, so I couldn't use the word stupidest thing ever. But pr- you know, like price was a radio selection. Okay. Uh, so I think I mean free comics at Starbucks, uh, as uh, at Farrington says says. Uh, you know the the stigma for reading comics. I think that's a great move on both Starbucks and uh, and Marvel to promote yeah, that. It can it, only help. Yeah. Is that stigma still there, though? Do you think? Uh, what's the stigma? Well, so. you know what? Of reading comics. I think so. I the think there is a stigma of comic books, meaning Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. I don't think there's enough people that know that there's a Chew or a Sweet Tooth or a. A fables or a why, which I think anybody yeah. who they were to pick up day tripper would instantly love them. Mm-hmm. And once you explain to some of the people out there who still hate on comics, is oh, just another funny book. It's no, the people who write the TV shows you watch write the comics that I read. It's just a different form of storytelling. Just blew their mind at that point. Exactly, mirror in front of a mirror style. And I, and I think uh, as comic readers, we probably don't think the stigma is there. Because we'll do it. We'll we'll just go right out into that park right now, and we're going to read some comics, the four of us together. And we're yeah. going to love them. But uh, we're going to love them. We're going to love them. We're going to read them, and we're going to love them. Actually, but, you know, somebody who's thinking about reading comics, they might not want to read the comics in Starbucks in fear of getting their tire slashed. Or exactly. I don't know, but I mean, even when I'm out in public and I have my iPad out and I'm reading a comic, for people who are not into digital reading at all, they're almost they're always like, oh, can you can read a comic book on your iPad and, and it looks great, and like people. Even who are not comic people seem generally interested in what you're able to do. Can you do. imagine if Marvel like b- did an ad, like uh, like an Apple type ad of the iPad, if someone's scrolling through like a Marvel Comics ad? Yeah. That would be a good move. That would be. I don't even know. That'd if be a would, great move. Yeah. I think um, the next Apple iPod or iPad commercial. You know how they have the music playing. Apple is medical. Dun, Apple is musical. Dun, 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 they can dun, have one dun. of the apps being 
uh, somebody flipping through a comic book, like awesome. Spider Man or <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> and I don't think that's how the ad goes. That's how it goes. <laughs> that's not how it goes. You are right on Flash, but you're wrong in that one. I, I think it was straight Marvel or straight com, <laughs> straight DC. <laughs> a whole thirty oh, seconds it. for that. That'd be uh, genius. Yeah, that would be genius. But and we don't run. Close, we don't run comic publishers. Yet, and then so. just close the app Maybe and have it show the logo like the Marvel or the DC spin. Like, oh, oh God! The comics on the iPad. Game over. Comics are safe. Mm-hmm. Guys, you're welcome. We don't you're need welcome. to worry about FaceTime or Facebook or whatever else Face on the iPad. FaceTime, yeah. Yeah. How about uh, speaking of Chew? Showtime. Everyone have Showtime? No. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Poor and broke. I do. Uh, Chew is going to be a Showtime comedy. Who's reading Chew in this room? Me. I have read Recently. Chew. I, I'm not currently reading Chew, but I have read the first couple of issues. There's, There's the door. Issues. There's the door, buddy. <laughs> Tough room. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. The you know this is like the creator-owned books. You know this. I think, like I said on the paper keg last week, two weeks ago, uh, the creator-owned books are the future of the industry. You know, you don't see Batman getting you know TV deals, even though even though we did talk about it. Gotham PD, amazing TV show. DC, wake up! It's your next big property. That and why? I don't think. I don't think after no one's Batman, they're going to rush to put him on the small screen, though. Probably not, but still. Yeah. But, but the th- I mean, the thing with Showtime, you going after something like this, this is big because cable TV shows, I mean, and even like shows on FX or something like that, y- y- they can't compete because the quality is so much better than, say, like The Cape on NBC or something like God, that. God, that was I awful. mean, Showtime can do this, this comic, this show, justice. And that's really cool, I think, uh, for, especially for a book like that. And it opens the door for other creator-owned books, like even Powers on FX. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually pretty FX, excited you, for that. FX, you may have, you know, the the uh, leeway to make it you know, more adult-oriented, like what what with uh, Nip and Tuck or whatever else. Yeah, there's not that pressure of the you know the major networks out there. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very very big win for Showtime. Count it. Count it, Showtime. Develop the I always thought of it. Daredevil would make a great law procedural show with like a little bit of a superhero element. Did you see the picture of Wonder Woman in her costume? Yeah, but, uh, I didn't like the pants. Uh, very strange. The pants. Mm. They could have completely replicated Jim Lee's new design, and that would have seemed realistic. Yeah, and more. Yeah. And I think I would have liked it more than the classic costume with pants. Like I just yeah, I think click for me. The blue. Whether, it's like what kind sky of blue pants. hot pants. But that got such a negative reaction from everybody once they debuted Diana's new outfit that they had to go with the safe marketable one, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy Jim Lee's redesign. I'll say it I right agree. now. I'll say it right now to your face. Oh God. You know what I'm going to say right now back at you? Not only did I enjoy it, but I'm going to say it on record. Wonder Woman. I bet it only makes it a season. Really? Smallville I, went I'll 10. second that. Smallville has Superman behind it. Yeah, and Birds of Prey only went one. Unless Wonder Woman's on the C-dub, I don't think... Uh, right. Yeah, they need a hit. Yeah. If they got a million viewers, that'll just, last for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, people praise David E. Kelly writing, but I just don't see it for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't the know. The world's not ready. Go. I mean, uh, Elizabeth Hurley looks I'm foxy, though. She looks well, she really foxy. No less from her? She's got to be, what, 70? <laughs> 72? 73? <laughs> Um, what else? Do we have any other news before we wanted to press on? DA off of uh, Wolverine 2? Yes, that's right. Yep, Darren. This happened a few weeks ago. Oh, my God. Probably, uh, in hindsight, in the last 20 years, the worst news ever. 
I would think. Yeah. You are aware that the Twin Towers fell 10 years ago, right? And there was a tsunami two years ago. Listen. You gotta bring that shit up, Mark. Like, Way to uh, bring the show like down. You know what? That. I'll kick myself out. There's the door. Yeah. God. Darren Aronofsky, you know, we were all excited for the Wolverine taking place in Japan. Yeah. Aronofsky, you know, Requiem for a Dream, The Fountain, Ditch. Black Swan, <laughs> The Wrestler. The Wrestler. But Wolverine in Japan. Who wouldn't just get jeans torn off running Man. to that theater oh yeah he wanted to spend more time with his family you gotta respect can't respect your can't you bring your family to japan you're no. you're a millionaire look the studio is They're already in vancouver talks. everybody films in vancouver that's a good point the studio is already in talks to replace him with the director of equal or greater talent the one and only mcg okay <laughs> <laughs> That has yet to be confirmed, but there is. He goes by one name, McGee. Uh, who else could. Well, what's uh, Mark Stephen Johnson up to? Ghost Rider? You know what? Shut the hell up. Has he ever made a movie since this? Oh, my God. Ghost Daredevil. Rider? I actually think he's got another movie coming, seriously. That'd be a great Daredevil. John Hamm from Mad Men. You think John Hamm should play every superhero? I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Him John or Kevin McKidd? John Hamm is kind of old, too, isn't he? Yeah, what, it just turned older a Daredevil. They don't have to tell the origin story. They well, should go all Dark Knight Returns. The, they're Daredevil so, Returns. No, no studio, even though it's brilliant, would ever do that. No, that's no they wouldn't. That's that not, is dumb. They wouldn't. Unentertaining Wait whatsoever. till I take over NBC Universal. You'll see that shit. <laughs> so many fantastic <laughs> one-liners from Jonesy these two episodes. Not that, that we recorded them back-to-back. Um, I think we I think we covered the news, you know? Uh, Green Lantern animated series coming to Cartoon Network. You know, I, from I have a question. Bruce Tim, right? I yeah, oh yeah, it's, Tim it's is part of the Timverse. It's not part of the Timverse, but it's something that he did. Because so the Timverse is the, the DCU. Like, that's... Batman animated series. Green Lantern is in the DCU, Farrington. But it's not going to follow up on the Timverse. I'm telling you. Listen, you two need to shake right now. Just get it past. I don't. I don't personally know who is creative directing it. It's it's an animated series. I watch it. Guarantee Andrea Romano will be the voice director. Only if they want to save that thing. Now is Nathan Fillion going to be tapped for the animated series as well as the movie? I tell you, falling asleep. You mentioned Nathan <laughs> Fillion, and he's just kind of, yeah, just you know, like nerd god Nathan Fillion. I don't think he will be. I don't oh, recall at this point. But what's interesting with here is they're going to star the rec- Red Lanterns are going to be the main antagonist, so maybe we'll see mm-hmm. everyone's yeah. favorite. Techstar? Yeah. Oh, I love that Red Lantern cat. Drink. Poor little guy. I don't know. Well, I think that's still at least like, this is like late 2012, I think, so we still got a ways to go. Well, why does t- cartoons take so long to make? Let's just get it on paper already. It's just hand animation. Losers. I know. Hey, eat it up. The DCU has knocked them out of the park with their ca- cartoons. They're fine with me. Young Justice, I don't know if you guys are watching it. No, I, I, I watched the preview episode that I just haven't watched anymore. It's banging. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you all. Uh, what else? I Avengers. I don't understand your slang. Avengers, <laughs> is, Avengers is great, um, but they haven't had a new episode in a while. I know Chris Yost, everyone's asking him when the new episode starts, and he's like, listen, I don't know. But he thinks that um, they're waiting for like prime time, like for kids, like I guess summer Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah. mm. So it's not going to be for a little while, which is suck. Which sucks. That that that's, that show is amazing. That was good. Yeah. That was really good. And it is. It, really it, good. it, it makes okay. Young Justice look like total trash. It does really? Well, yeah. Slaps it trash. Wow. Slaps his YJ face. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that uh, Meet Captain America episode. Oh my! Or Wolverine that cameo. I mean, I'm pretty mm. sure that was Bruce Tim on get LSD. the director who did that. <laughs> has that Pym beat his wife yet? Not yet. Have we seen that on screen? No, that has not happened yet. Okay, but that'll add a, a level. That could be an after school special. Has Tony started drinking and smoking yet? No, and actually, you know what? The the, the voice actor of Tony Stark is is like Bart Simpson, and he needs to go. Agreed. Yeah, I think I remember not liking him. Look, if you like your heroes being a band of merry failures, go check out the Avengers. Wow. You know what? If you if you like your heroes young, voila! <laughs> Am I right? Let's uh, let's let's venture forward. On to the comic talk. Okay. Let's, let's let's run the gamut. You know. All right. Let's see what we're reading in early to mid April, whenever the show is posted. Right now. So who's gonna go first? Uh, I think Jonesy. Looks yes, like... yes. Nice. Vindicated. Let's talk about Red Robin Twenty One. Let's get into it right now. <laughs> That's right. Walk out. What's, what's happening? This is a uh, this is Tim Drake as a as a correct as a Red Robin. Correct. He's uh it donned the mantle of Red Robin, uh, kind of uh, not broken away from the Bad Family, but definitely uh, made his own in the uh, DCU. Good. And this uh, title wraps up the. Uthernet storyline. Uthernet? Which is, uh, the Uthernet was a, uh, kind of like a backdoor internet where villains could practice against superheroes. Like a danger room? Uh, Almost, but as more of like a anywhere in the world virtual reality sort of, sort of deal. Why didn't they call it the Luthernet? That would make more sense, right? They should have. Writer in the room. DC. This guy in the in the helm, but uh, Farrington and I were having a Twitter conversation about um, how we think Tim Drake is broken off to be a much more interesting character than Dick Grayson. Farrington, your thoughts? Couldn't agree with you anymore. Uh, for some reason, I don't like Dick Grayson as Batman. I think there can only be one. Really? Because Streets of Gotham was a incredible storyline. No, Dick don't Grayson get me wrong. It's cool, and he is. Like, he's the man. If there's anybody else but Bruce who can wear it, it's Dick. But, I mean, I miss Nightwing. Nightwing was more interesting. At this point, it kind of feels, to me, now that Bruce is back and he's Batman too, that we're just spinning our wheels until Dick's inevitable return to Nightwing. Well, you know that's going to happen, so why not ride... (laughs) Jesus Christ. I don't think, you know, as, as unfortunate as it is, Grant Morrison... Can pretty much just take an S all over Batman <laughs> family's books, and no one will ever do anything. Absolutely, agree. Yeah. I mean, I read no. Batman Inc. Uh, what is it for? Yeah, I didn't know what the F was going on. This is like, hey, you've been reading Batman for sixty years. You get this <laughs> nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. Get out of here, Morrison. I don't care about that. He's a genius. Stop. <laughs> Fifty-two. Check it out. I mean, Batman well Inc. Said, Batman yeah. Inc. just isn't for me. I thought it was going to be a fun little romp, but it's just getting too wacky. It, it is more of a. A tour, a, a world tour, and a throwback to Batman tales from long past. It's almost like the International uh, League of Batman, but just turn on a more grandiose scale. But uh, back to Red Robin, number 21. Yeah. Um, I just, I love Tim Drake. He uh, He's hanging out with uh, Lucius Fox's daughter. He's totally going to hit that. You know, he's uh he's having run ins with Cassandra Kane, the former Batgirl, and he's just he's holding his own. He's having fun in now, his new life. Did you read two issues ago when he had that nice little fisticuffs with uh Catman? Yeah. 
Yeah, Catman is supposed to be one of the trainers of Batman, and he held his own against him. Wait, Catman trained Batman? No, it no, was, yeah, it was. no, I'm right here. Catman was. No, I'm right. <laughs> no, Cat, Catman. Catman was not one of his trainers. Uh, yeah, he was. Bat he expert was. over here. He was not he one was. of the trainers. He, he has been introduced as he a He never. Master. You're saying right now. Did you read Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run? No. Catman was a washed up C-ranked villain until he had a run in with a couple Who's of the, cat the Brotherhood guy of Evil. from the, the Justice Society? Teen Wolf. JSA. Wildcat, Ted Grant. Wildcat, that's, you know what, I stand corrected. Exactly. I stand corrected. That expert one. Wow, that was a quick turnaround. Well, that no, was no. Like 15 seconds. Yeah. But they do. But they're both cats. just got bat lawyered. But they are, you did get bat lawyered. They are <laughs> considered to be on a very near level. And to quote McElhenley, a Batman versus Catman matchup is the matchup DC will never write. Because it sounds stupid. No, it'd be good. <laughs> it would be good, but it would set that villain back so far. They've done oh, good work with him over Catman in Catman is a Six. villain. He's an anti-hero. Oh, he's a vigilante. Correct. Right. Dressed as a cat. <laughs> Calls himself Catman. All right. No. You know. Not a stretch. Not a stretch at all. I mean, we are talking about Batman, too, so I guess it's not all wacky. Batman Show some respect. For the Catman? For the Bat. Uh -huh. I love Batman. <laughs> 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 Did you just do the Scatman? Scatman. Scatman. So wow. Red Robin, it's a, it's a, it's a still a it's that's a, a, it's a pick for me. It's every, a every, every, whenever it comes too. out, I pick up Red Robin. Hmm. Great book. Who's writing that? Is that Fabian Mizia? Yeah, drink. drink. Mizia, Mizia, Mizia. You know, as a as a small aside, I was reading an article. I posted uh, on Boss Mode. Small aside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure you just got bitch slapped for I no did. reason. <laughs> Your show. Uh, Your own show. They interviewed Chris Claremont around the time the first X-Men movie came out, and they said that, is it, is it Scott Lobdell that took over X-Men back in the day? Uh, they said he was right, making Scott like, right. he was making 80 grand a month writing those X-Men books. No way. Yeah. Chris Claremont? No, the Scott Lobdell. No, I didn't Because no. he happened to I get the job. <laughs> Wait, does any comic writer make 80 no, grand this was per issue? Well, this was during the heyday. This is like right after X-Men... This is like X-Men 5 when it was relaunched. He was writing X-Men 5, Uncanny, and I think he was writing you know, some other ones. 80 grand. This is, wow. Can you imagine that? I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. That's more that's money than I make in a year. Right place, right time, right there. Right yeah. yeah. Right there. I would love to shoot him a, you know, a little electronic mail. I hope mail my first issue out. I make like eight bucks. Right? Yeah. That would be tremendous. Yeah. It's worth it at that point. Check it out. Inherited a couple years from now. Lobdell. A couple years. <laughs> Um, let's go around clockwise. Um, book I read was uh, Ultimate Captain America number three. Oh, good wow. And I got to tell you, I didn't like Ultimate Captain America. I don't like the character. Had no interest in reading it. I was wrong. You this like is him? a good book. I love it when Mark admits he was wrong. Doesn't happen often. I didn't ask to be born <laughs> special. Just kind of happened. Anyway. For Ultimate Captain America, um, we are at the point where he is fighting the ultimate version of, I guess, Nuke. Is that yep. who he is? And so they've really kind of made him a compelling character. Cap has to go to this hidden city that's fallen off the map to find him. And lo and behold, when he's found Nuke, he is overthrown and he is taken by the villagers who just happen to be super soldiers as well. It's a poor explanation. It's kind of convoluted and it reads much better than I'm describing it. 
So in this issue, you see Nuke torturing Captain America, trying to get him to come over to his side. And by doing that, he's physically torturing him, water torture, dragging him through the mud, trying to break his spirit. And he's telling him about some of the messed up, scandalous, um, amoral things that America's done in the time that he was trapped in suspended animation. And again, I'm not a big Captain America guy. I always thought he was kind of naive because, let's face it, America's done some effed up things to the world. So it was nice to have somebody be that counterpoint trying to break Cap, saying, your country's not all it's cracked up to be. They did this. Oh, by the way, you missed Watergate. You missed Vietnam. You missed the Tuskegee Airmen. Like, random stuff. And Cap is trying to keep his resolve, but in the back of his head he's going, is this really the country I'm fighting for? So mm-hmm. it was a good wow. character piece. I I am not reading Ultimate Captain America uh, because I was so perturbed that it was four dollars digitally and yeah. in print. Um, you know, I stand I stand my ground. Absolutely, yeah. No, you you know? have to. When when you pay four dollars, you're taking something in print at home. You own something. To pay the same price just for the rights to read something is ridiculous. Silly silliness. It's not fair. I thought that they would. I didn't think they would have kept Nuke's uh, tattoo. You know, I saw the covers and you know, some shots of Nuke in the book. I, th- I thought they maybe would have went a different route right. for Ultimate Nuke, you know, make it more realistic. I don't know. I, I like how they started out with Give Me a Red, though, because I'm a big fan of Nuke. But you know what, though? In the Ultimate Universe, they did a good job of explaining the corny stuff to make it modern. And they yeah. used the tattoo on Nuke's face as symbolism of just how far gone he was, crazy-wise. Uh-huh. And he did it as one of those, okay, I'm never going to forget what this country did to me. So I will make yeah. them, when they think of Captain America, they'll think of me now. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Mm-hmm. That's a good explanation. Works. I can dig it. Yeah. Check yeah. it out in trade, or if you Jason want to borrow Aaron. my single issues when you're done, yeah, I'll, I'll grab your floppies. Cool. I dig the Jason Aaron. Yeah. He won't be let down. He's a good dude. Yes. Remember when you met him? Remember when I met him mm-hmm. and I uh, I predicted it. the Wolverine in hell? Mm. Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Same day I met Stan Lee. Oh, Drink. God. I'm going to throw that out there. Drink. <laughs> and you're a married father, right? I am... A uh, married man with a son. And that was the best day of your life? Uh, moving on. <laughs> Death. It's a good thing Amanda doesn't listen. Of Spider-Man. What? I just rolled my eyes, Slim. Uh, the Death of Spider-Man banner, more specifically, is also on Ultimate, uh, the Ultimates versus the Ultimate Avengers. Is that what they're called? The Ultimate Avengers? Ultimates versus Ultimate Avengers. Yeah. Um, with Lianiel Yu on art with uh, Mark Miller writing. Uh, I was real excited. You know, I'm real excited for yeah. that book. I love uh, Lianiel Yu. I love his work on Birthright. <laughs> I love his work on Birthright. I got bad news for every Lionel Yu fan. Classic Lionel Yu. Lionel Yu. His work in this miniseries is... Is drastically different. Drastic. It looks rushed. I'll be honest. Oh, really? Um, it's not your style. Not my style. I don't know what is happening. They have a different. They have a fill-in artist in the issue to pick up the pace in this issue, and it's an artist. I can't remember his name. I think he did uh, some Dakin work on the Dark Wolverine or Origins. I can't remember, but it's similar to his art style. So they get another artist to, to do other pages that his work is similar to his style, which mm-hmm. is very strange to me. Um, but this is a death of Spider-Man banner book and Spider-Man is not even in the first two issues. Oh. Or mentioned. Or, uh, the, the, I think the end of the second issue, they get the Punisher out of prison because he was 
I skipped that storyline, but he was a member of the uh, the Avengers uh, in the second Ultimate Comics Avengers that Miller did. Oh God! Uh, and you did that book, and I'm pretty sure that you know he. I think he's going after Spider Man in the third issue, or that he's got like a hit for Spider Man. I don't know. It's just uh, it's disappointing. Yeah, I just need to burn that universe to the ground. They Ultimate Spider Man is still worth it, though. I agree. You know, there were some flashes of the original Bendis in this uh, this late this latest issue. What was it? One fifty six. Was that the Bagley return? Bagley. Yeah. Bagley. Ed Ed Bagley. Bagley. Oh, he's back on. <laughs> yeah, he's Bagley is back. back. Right. But uh, you remember the first volume of Ultimate Spider-Man where it was new and fresh and everybody loved it and mm-hmm. Brian Michael Bendis was hot and hitting it out of the he park. He was hot then. I mean, th- this issue reminded me a lot of that. You know? Nice, nice. He's back with Mary Jane. He's, you know, a, a confused teenager. He idolizes Captain America. I didn't know he was back with Mary yeah. Jane. Thanks for the heads up. Spoiler. That, Spoiler. that happened two issues ago. I'm three behind. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... Fifty or so behind, but so uh, that but that's yeah, that's the, that has that series has had a death of Spider-Man banner prologue for like seven issues, and you know yeah. nothing yeah. has remotely even happened that would you know whatever. But this issue, his the Sinister Six has been busted loose, and you know they're on the loose and they're coming after Spider-Man. Osborn's out, Electro, Sandman. Yeah, I mean, where did Osborn get these weird? New goblin powers. I thought that happened. He got in it in like the first, first arc. arc of the. Volume. No, I remember he could turn into the goblin. It wasn't a, a disguise. He became a goblin creature. But and he was throwing fireballs. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you exhale a little louder? Really? That might <laughs> displaying your yeah, displeasure. Yeah. Um, I thought that. I mean, that if you're doing a death of Spider-Man story, I think the only way you can do it is if you know the Sinister Six are out and they're they're gonna kill him. I have no idea how they're going to end it. I mean, they, you have the death of Spider-Man happening in Ultimate Spider-Man, but you also have the Avengers versus Ultimates in a Death of Spider-Man banner book. I don't, I don't know what's happening. With a teaser image of the Punisher, I am shooting Spider-Man, Spider-Man. In crosshairs. Yeah. See, this is the Ultimate Universe. I mean, it's been growing and getting out of hand for a, a while now, but this, yeah. this might be it. I thought I this mean, was their chance to bring it back to Earth, and you yeah. know, when this was first announced, ultimatum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, you read the interviews. You get patented Miller saying, "This is going to be, this is going to be great. This is going to be the biggest thing ever. It's happened in the Ultimate Universe." And he said the same he's thing lost, about freaking vampires. He has lost uh, his hype points when he hyped Ultimate Comics Avengers, and he thought that was going to be number one on the charts, and it definitely was not. And he was doing vampire stuff. It's just, hey, listen, oh. you can't hype stuff anymore unless it's your own stuff. Just, in which case, let me make a movie out of it and yeah. you later. I feel like with the Ultimate Universe, I mean, it was it's been great. I still love Ultimate Spider-Man, but they almost like they start they got to a point where they just started rushing to cover points from the Marvel Universe, like but in the Ultimate way, where they could have I mean, which is cool when a fanboy reads it and they read a new take on it, but they could have taken it their own way or in a new direction the titles, but they're just they're just like rushing to get to the next arc. That they covered in the Marvel Universe 20, mm-hmm. 30 years ago. Yeah. And now they're just doing it in the ultimate way. But it's like arc after arc they did that, it seems like. And, uh, and they covered all the major high points. And now they're, caught, they're almost caught up. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. unfortunate, you know? I still I love Ultimate up. Spider-Man. I love it since day one. It's Agreed. I, I, you could almost kind of follow that. I mean, when you have Bendis and Millar on your launch titles... 
And yeah. they're probably given carte blanche to change whatever they want. But they did it well or in such a way where people still enjoyed it. But you got to think, if you're the small name writer picking up after Bendis or Malar, the studio is not going to let you just go, you know, just like we were talking about Zack Snyder earlier. Uh, you know, the studio is not going to let you just do whatever you want. You know, Chris Jones is not a Brian Michael Bendis. He doesn't have the same clout. So if I want to, you know, make Thor a member of the X-Men, the Marvel Studios is not going to let me do that. that hasn't happened in the comics. You know, he's got a movie coming out. He should be a member of the X-Men. He'll be an, a member of everything in a couple months. Young Avengers, Hope. Hey, you know what, Jonesy, to your point? Drink. Drink. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that a little while ago because I think some of those big writers do get that carte blanche. So you can't tell me that some B or C list writer didn't have the idea to bring back Bucky. But because they didn't have the Ed Brubaker name, right. they weren't given that trust. And then the A-list writer gets it, knocks it out of the park, just like uh, Judd Winnick. You can't tell me that some other writer didn't have the idea to bring back Jason Todd before Judd Winnick did. But the real world star wants to do it, so he could do it. Right. Right. And they only did that to have him as a foil for yeah. a countdown to, you know what, it's not important. On what, what's levels. Jason Todd is back in that Red Hood outfit, isn't he? He wore yeah. the cape and the... Is he still the Red Hood? He's back to being the Red Hood. Okay. I don't. Why didn't he keep that? You know that style that he had in the, the when he first came back with that kind of mask that they use in the animated movie. The Hush movie. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 And, uh, under, under the Red Hood. Hood. Yeah. Oh, like a black yeah. Now he's wearing that stupid, you know, cylindrical. Yeah, that does, top hat, lame. whatever that thing is called. But that's an homage to the original Red Hood, the Joker. I know, but it's lame. It is. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. It is lame. I would. You know, I liked. I liked the Hush. Clayface uh, yeah, Robin. That was a cool suit. Yeah, it was. Intense. With the red domino mask mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And it had like uh, the, the Batman style like pockets on it and stuff. It was a double switch. Armor. That's what that was. Yeah. So, Dale, what did you read good, since yeah. the last podcast? I just uh, <clears throat> realized that anything I ever bring up, nobody else read, so uh, I get depressed. But uh, <laughs> uh, World of Warcraft, Curse of the Worgen. I'm sure there are plenty of people listening that I would hope love so. to read that. Just wait until you hear because my next book. I am I'm on a Warcraft kick right now. I've been playing probably since Cataclysm, which you guys don't know what Cataclysm is. It was an add-on to the it, game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's an add-on to the game. It came out in December, so probably since November I've been on a kick, and I've, I've been, been enjoying myself with it um, since then again. So I haven't read – I got the trades of the uh, the regular main title, World of Warcraft, and I ha- but I haven't read them yet. But uh, this Curse of the Worgen, there's five issues out. And with the Cataclysm uh, expansion pack, they introduced a new race to the Alliance called the Worgen, which are basically, I mean, they're werewolves, really. But uh, <clears throat> with when you can start a character in the game, it's just you're a Worgen, you, and you play through the uh, beginning levels, and uh, it's, you know, it is what it is. The storyline happens from that point f- moving forward. But mm-hmm. the book is kind of backtracking and letting you know uh, where the Worgens come from and how they uh, – how how they're going to join the alliance, basically, and uh, and stuff like that, and it's it's really really good. Hmm. Um, the art style, uh, this guy or a girl, I don't know. His name is Ludo Lullaby, Lullaby. <laughs> I don't want to say Lullaby because you can. I'll allow it. L- Ludo I'll Lullaby. Who uh, who who puts that out? Is uh, this is another DC property. Um, is but, that available in their app? In the uh this Comics is on uh, Comixology. Wow, yeah. look at that. Which is funny because Comixology proper has uh, all, like four of the five issues, but DC only has like one. 
Yeah, I know this comic always has more than the I, uh, I don't use the DC app because I know that they... I'm not going to anymore. Anything that's in the DC app is always out at the same time in the comics app. The only difference is the Marvel's app. Sometimes they do, like, exclusives for, like, 30 days. So yeah, when they have Iron Man 404. Yeah. That nobody reads. <laughs> and plus, I mean, if you're going to uh, read cross-company like we all do, it's nice to have all of those books in one location. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comicsology's simple, user-friendly. Shout out to Comicsology. I like it too. Um, it's really cool though. the 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 art style is almost reminiscent of a uh, dare I say, in certain panels, a uh, bacalo. Really, bacalo. Uh, Chris, but bacalo. It's it's really really good. Um, there's a, a lot of work went into this comic, which well, a lot of video game properties, other than Gears of War, which I talked about last week, is good right. too. But I picked the two good ones out, obviously. Um, last week. <laughs> Maybe two, two weeks, weeks ago, ago. Who knows? I apologize um, But uh, you know A little spoiler here The Worgen originally comes from The Night Elves And really? uh, their, their their research and practice Of the uh, druid The druidism do you think stems the, from there Do you think the WoW community knows That there's a comic book out Do they advertise that in the game Like in game um, Not in game but actually uh, there's like a login screen that you have to click past in order to log into the game, and they always have a bunch of advertisements and stuff like that. So I think if if anybody's probably reading this, it's just strictly WoW players. Right. Um, I think it would be good for even non-WoW players to read. Um, it's that it's that good of a, a side story, and the art is just. I mean, hmm. I, want, I want panels of this. You know what I'm saying? I have to check this out. Is the first issue <clears throat> free that I can? take a look at without spending money on it? I think it's free on the Comixology app. Boom. On the DC app, I think it's one ninety nine. Whoa. Whoa. That sounds scandalous right there. Um, Bullshit. <laughs> but uh, I, I really recommend uh, people pick this up. It's it's really good. The art style. Is, is WoW just, still as popular as it came out? More popular? Just as, if not more. I mean, uh, probably as of Cataclysm anyway, uh, you know, I'm there's probably 12 million subscribers. Oh my lord! I mean, so Blizzard oh, is really like, whereas, you know, they have really made new roads in the MMO community that uh, that were never there before because you had EverQuest, Final Fantasy, and there just wasn't the player base or the demand for a game that uh, that Blizzard. So basically, Blizzard's writing the rules and and, and well, yeah, they're getting. Dale, how much does it cost a month to play WoW? Uh, WoW is uh, $14 a month to play. Times 12 million subscribers. Oh, yeah. They're printing money over there. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I'm in the wrong business. I wonder what their monthly server costs are for that amount of people, It's not like a couple hundred million dollars. Well, Jonesy is well known to be very (laughs) against MMO costs per month to pay for their servers. I am. He would love for him, for himself to pay $20 for a game and never have to pay ever again to play nightly on their I servers. would love that. Are you he kidding? He that world goodbye a long time ago. Which is really, I mean, it's really amazing. Warcraft has been out for six years. Where were you six years ago? I don't know. Playing I'm Warcraft 2. I don't even know. What was I? What, what was Playing what Starcraft. 2000, 2005? Six years ago. Yeah. 2005. Graduated college then. College? College. college. What was I doing? I was working, uh, I was putting closets together. Man, that's deep. <laughs> Whose turn is it? But, Christopher's uh, World of Warcraft. Oh. Well, curse the board. Check it out it on Comics App, iTunes, App Store. Do-do. iPad. Comicsology. Dot com. Jonesy. <laughs> I'm going to talk about another uh, Batman family book. Batman. 
Dark Knight issue two. Wow. You don't have that, do you? That was on all of our lists, you know I think. What? I'm good. I'm or do good. I can talk about Batman Inc. number four. No, no, no. I got my title next. Let's, let's get, into, you, uh, let's get into Dark Knight right now. All right. Uh, Finch's art in this book. Mm-hmm. He, when that <laughs> suit first came out. It's not a good start for Finch. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. When that gray on gray suit came out with the the golden oak. Stop looking at me like that, Farrington says. I I'm very interested. Keep going. Um. You know, with the oval on it, and it was just... Remember, we all kind of balked at that. I remember Because we were so used we to the, the... Finch manages to take that and make it awesome. Hmm. He makes me like that that suit. Nice. Hmm. It's... Uh, I mean, his uh, characterization of the penguin, uh, just his art style across the board in this book is phenomenal. Yeah, I remember uh, when this book first came out in November... In the first issue. <laughs> issue one and of two. the second just came out. Uh, I thought, you know, when, when he first did Batman The Return, and it was, like, dark, totally gritty, you know, shadows everywhere. I love that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Uh, the second issue, I don't know, there's just a, it's more vibrant than I expected in terms of the use of colors. And, you know, Penguin is a, Penguin is a bright character, and he's in full light. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's a brighter... More vibrant book than I was anticipating from Finch, good or bad, I don't know. Different, that's yeah. For sure. I just uh, the only thing uh, with the two issues being so farther apart. When I read this book, I've it was hard to recollect. I had zero idea where I thought where the story was going, and even by the end of this issue, I was wondering like, so what? I mean, if you just want to give me ninety pages of Finch drawing Batman, I'll, look, I'll read it. This didn't have a, a recap book. in the beginning, did it? No, no. Oh, so that's I, bad. How about the scene no where he, how about the scene where he broke uh, Penguin's arm and leg in yeah. trying to get information about this chick? And then it, it was I don't know <laughs> a lot of sign going on in this. Yeah, in this, it, this, also, this oh, it almost remembered uh, reminded me of um, remember the Venom storyline from Legends of the Dark Knight. Very well, it's a classic. That almost reminded me of, of that a little bit, where Batman has the you know his tweak. Do you think he's on Venom right now? No, I just I just think it, it was too familiar. Of a how, story. About, how about the scene in Venom where he comes out of the Batcave and he's got the beard? Yeah, oh, right. And he's it's been down yeah. there, you know, detox for so long. That that is good. What just happened in here? Did the light? That just PlayStation change? dimmed. Oh. <laughs> I thought I was losing my mind. <laughs> so I mean, art wise, Finch is a genius, but it just comes too far in between. But he needs time to, to to hone his craft, obviously. So Absolutely. Then draw three issues and then collect it. Don't give me a monthly title. It's going to come I'm up. Pointing at Jonesy, I agree. And that brings, you know, fl- uh, speaking of which, Flash is getting can't like canceled and rebooted as a new number one already. When Flashpoint is over, it's ending in issue twelve. Really? Yeah. Are Jeez. you sure? Yeah, positive, hundred percent. Didn't know that. Um, Famed DC historian, F. Frankton says. Did not know that. Batman family genealogist. <laughs> I'm <laughs> feeling a little sweated that Jeff didn't tell me. You need to stay tuned to his. He didn't Twitter. call. He didn't come across your desk. <laughs> Until DC or Jeff says it, I'm well. It came. Next oh God! Now I'm conflicted. I appreciate you trusting the words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I Next really time you do. Go to the Benihana, you don't have to get on him about that. Agreed. Uh, my problem is, you know, and, and uh, why bother even using issue numbers at this point? Yeah. Why don't they just do like story arcs, almost like Mark Miller with Ultimate Comics Avengers? Mm-hmm. Like he had a four issue arc set. You know, why not just do Flash? You know, and the and the storyline title, and then just keep that as four issues. Yeah. Why bother rebooting all this stuff anymore? It actually be, be to their benefit 
if they did it that way because they would have more number ones because they would just be a different like trade or or storyline mm-hmm. number as number one. Barrington uh-huh. is Googling this I, right now. I am Googling it. <laughs> and you wouldn't have to refer to it as volume three, volume four, just yeah. be flash, flashpoint. Do like, yeah, whatever the, you know, flash, Professor Zoom returns or whoever and, that is. And people are already doing it now when you think about it. Flash. People aren't Mr. saying, Leary, oh, Boston you remember Kevin Smith's, you know, Guardian Devil. They aren't saying, remember Kevin Smith's first five issues. Yeah, you're not saying yeah, Daredevil 33. 33 or yeah. you're saying Kevin Smith's, you know, only an the arc. Ultra and we're going, you know, on Daredevil 48. You yeah, know, and we're saying that. Daredevil Underboss. Right. You know, why can't we do Flash Professor Zoom Returns or Flash Flashpoint, you know, Prologue? It's just going to challenge writers to come with Full better titles. Flash, the TV show, never had a chance and we're drunk because of it. <laughs> it was underrated. It was uh, underrated. It's just, it's so lame, you know, that they just keep. Ending a series, it just it devalues the series before it, I think, and it just as a reader, it just it just very disappointing. I mean, I, I could see where this is the you know I'm gonna get a my, my people should listen here. to us. They should listen to us. The, they, uh, people the, aren't the, listening to us. The comic book industry, if they're trying to say that the only way they're gonna survive is by bringing new people off the streets with number one jumping on issues, why is that such? Why is that stuck in their head? That that's where their their revenue stream is going to come from. Mm-hmm. You're going to get new readers because old readers are introducing them to books. Absolutely correct. You are you hit the Boom. nail on the head. Yeah. The comics right? industry is not bringing new readers. Are the readers are bringing new readers? Absolutely. So why not listen to the people that are bringing you your monies? Jesse, I want to make out with you right <laughs> now. Let's cross swords, all of us. You know what? It's a double-edged sword, though, because. From the comic company's perspective, I guess when you're talking from a writer level or from a character level, the worst thing you can do is usually give the readers exactly what they want. I mean, there are readers out there who hate Bendis because he drug Matt Murdock through the mud. But a story would be pretty boring if we're reading about a guy who's happy, goes to work, has a great day, goes home to his wife and two and a half kids and repeats. But isn't that what they're doing with every first issue? They're going to take the character back to square one with every issue number one just to get readers to jump on board? Give me three years where Dick Grayson's Batman and going through hell. Because as a reader, I'm going to get somebody else to read that because of... They're going to listen to my enthusiasm and love for comics, and that's going to make them read. Not walking in off the street and looking at a title. And that's you want that investment, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. let's be honest. Let's take FF1 as an example. We all know in 12 issues, in 12 months from now, they're going to go back to Fantastic Four 600. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the numbering, yeah. And then within 18 months from now, I'm willing to bet that Johnny Storm will be back. Yeah. And, I mean, th- and what they're going to do, and also, on top of that, to your point, they're going to uh, slap it all on a trade. And you're going to tell your friends, oh, did you read FF1? Did you read Underboss? I mean, they're, they're going to, they sell it in trades in story arcs, you know, because of that. So mm-hmm. let's just, let's just, uh, I and, don't and know what I'm going They're relaunching, uh, they're, they're starting a new Ghost Rider series with a new number one. But before that, they're having a point one issue. Zero point one? Yes. That's not To part. get new readers in. A number one issue isn't enough to, to bring new readers. You need to start up a zero point one <laughs> issue. Get the hell out of here. The only reason I see that happening, the only time that works best is probably like free comic book day. Yeah. I say save that for all that kind of stuff. If you're going to charge $4 for a print comic or a, a digital comic even, I mean, put the meat in there. Put Give the me meat. some meat Give me some right meat. now in my hands. Meat. Where's the meat. beef? 
Where is the beef? Mark Farrington asks. Let me put this scenario out there to you guys, and let me know what you think. You walk into your your LCS, right? Mm-hmm. And you haven't been in the LCS in, let's say, a couple months. You took a, a couple months off collecting. Now, Just make up that acronym. I'm sorry. Local Comic Shop? Yeah. LCS? No, uh, Macklin Henley. Okay. Got me on that. Nice. So let's say I'm looking at the shelves. I'm not going, all right, I haven't read this in a while, but I'll pick up whatever number one is out there so I can get back on board. You know what I'm doing? I'm asking my buddies before I go in, what story arcs should I pick up? Should I pick up a trade? Should I pick up some single issues? I'm not going to go in off the street like some random Joe and be like, oh, Flash has a new number one. I'm going to get on board Flash. I could have hated Flash for the last 10 years, but just because it's a number one doesn't mean I'm going to read it. But those number ones aren't made to appeal to people like you. The industry knows, people like us rather, the industry knows that we are going to, if we follow the character, pick up that new number one. They're trying to get that guy who doesn't read comics or that collector who still thinks that a number one today will put his kids in college tomorrow he'll say oh new number one i may as well pick that up maybe it'll be worth some money someday if he cracks it open and likes it cool if not hey and they still made their sale and they market it to the guys that like jm stump wrote about he jm stump's a huge comic fan two weeks ago (laughs) two weeks ago when we reviewed those articles uh, you know, he tries to recommend p- new people in the comic his comic book shop all the time, and they're looking for something, but they're not looking for anything he's reading or comic book fans are reading. They're probably looking for a number one that they can jump onto. I mean, slap ass. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I still think the future of print comics is trades, and the future of single issues is digital. That's just where I think it's going. You heard it here, you heard it here first, Jonesy. I'd go sign on that. Papercake.com. I think you're right. I mean, uh, if I'm going to say, you want to see a great Wolverine book, get Old Man Logan. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you the issue titles. Yeah, you're not uh, giving anybody right. Old Check, Ma- Wolverine 63. Check out the yeah. in, in the Can review. You know. yep. Yeah, it is on the can. In the can? Who we knows? Should, we should save that for paper kegs. Mm. I'd that. rather you I want to read that it. noise when you're on the toilet. That, <laughs> that would give me a reason to read it, because I want to read it, and I just haven't yet, so... Yeah. Uh, Farrington, do you want to uh, give your book, and we'll get we'll get right into God loves man kills. Oh, then I'll make it very quick. Um, I know I talk about this book on the old comics podcast. It's got a special place in my heart. Well, new and old. It's a new number one here. Ooh, what is number it? Number two. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing oh, Duck. Daring like Duck of Mystery. Exactly. The terror that flaps in the night. Wow. When there's trouble, you call DW. And part of the reason Darkwing I love this. Duck. Let's get dangerous. Yeah. Part of the reason I love this book is exactly what we're doing now. We're all mid to late twenties and thirty. I was doing okay. We are all in the same generation. Did you grow up on the Disney afternoon? Because I did. Exactly, I did. Ducktales, Tailspin. And this is this book is made for anybody who grew up on it. It's obviously written by guys who are into comics and love comics. To the fanboy, it's the ultimate comics love letter. I mean, the opening arc for the first four issues was the Duck Knight Returns. And then nice. the next storyline after that was Crisis of Infinite Duck Wings. Or Dark Wings. <laughs> that has directly appealed to us. They know what they're doing. They're not taking it too seriously. They're taking it serious enough to the point where it's actually entertaining and I care about the story. But it's just fun. Dark Wing is pure egotistical uh, superhero parody. Um, it's a nice little pulp nod. I love his alliterations that he throws out at every minute that he can. Um I just love how it's an homage to other comics while it's moving the Darkwing story forward. So little things like Goslin gets the Gizmo Duck suit. Um, they just did their first annual, 
and they did that in the style yes, of, exactly they did that in the style of a uh, the killing joke even down to the letter of or even down to the cover yeah so, i saw that that was pretty cool that was incredibly cool and Darkwing is filled with Easter eggs like that. Who would have thought that Darkwing Duck would have a book and that we would be talking about it? Exactly. Yeah. Boom but, Studios, yeah, they're so on the rise, I'm telling you. Boom Studios was a tour de force at uh, NYCC. It really was. Yeah. And Although, who was the, uh, that editor that we saw Chip, at the digital? Chip Molcher? Chip Molcher. I don't want to make any enemies. But, He's on uh, Twitter. Chip Molcher had no idea what he was talking about in that digital panel. And he felt, he for, felt well. He, he he hated that guy hosting the panel. And oh he yeah. Just, he well, just did not take anything seriously. And David from Comicsology, what a class act! He is a total class act. He's a David. friend of the room. Friend of the friend, room. Friend of the room. Friend of the show. Yeah. I mean, just to sum it up, no exaggeration. But whenever a new Darkwing comes up, it's in my top three to read yeah. that night. Hmm. I really enjoy it. Highly yeah, recommend. I picked it. up issue ten oh, for your recommendation. Maybe I'll read it on the way home. And if you want to borrow the uh, first opening arcs. I got the single ch- issues back home. I floppies. will definitely take those off. He will take right. your floppies and he will use them. We'll get him out there. And these are nice reminders. I mean, look, we're we get into some heavy comics here. We got into Sweet Tooth. That's not the the, the brightest thing, but we're never we're, we we're never too old. You know what I mean? Like that stuff we grew up on. And with Boom Studios, especially, they did. I was high on them when they did uh, when they debuted Fraggle Rock and the Muppet Show. I read the first I don't know six issues of them both. I I fell off and I feel bad, but. I, I mean, they're they're doing it right, and and they have an audience, and they might not be kids because we're reading it and we're maniacs. So you know, I, my wife does not read comics. I actually bought her issues of uh, the Muppets. Oh really? She actually laid down and read them. Hmm. See, so you know, was so that when you proposed? Yeah. When she was reading those? Oh my God, <laughs> I was just I was on one knee staring. You're at like, this is it. Like, this is the moment right now. <laughs> put on the Sade and uh, smooth operator. God. She closed the issue and then it was just you standing there on your knees like a big splash page. I can see naked, naked, totally naked. Mm-hmm. That's inappropriate. With Sade, smooth. smooth operator playing in the background. So what's the book club this? God week? loves, man kills. Uh, yawn. What? Wow. Oh, wow. Did I say on. that out loud? I was looking forward to talking about this book because I wanted to get the parallels between muties, you know, they're viewed as the minority in their universe, you know, where you have these psycho uh, you know, churchgoers, you know, where they're, you know, God hates fags, you know, in today's God world. Word. You know, they hate the black people, but in the, in you know, there's... There's like in their mind, there's someone even lower, and it's mutants. And I was hoping to see, you know, I wanted because that's a touchy topic. So I want to see what Mark thought, how Claremont handled that, and you know, walked the tightrope to the point where it wasn't insulting to someone, you know, like a black person, like Mark. That's you know, let's just say it. Let's but just say it right I mean, now. even well, it's funny because we talked about Mark this at black. another the comics podcast where the N word was tossed around that Claremont used. And you know you have to be if you're Cl- Chris Claremont, you're just throwing that around, comparing them to mutants. You got to be pretty ballsy and sure that it's going to work. So and so the storyline for God Loves Man Kills is you know there's there's like the Westboro Baptist Church that is out to kill all mutants because they think they're like an abomination. And William Stryker is the pastor to this church, and he's not as looked upon as kind of as insane as. Uh, Fred Phelps. Um, so he he is on a he has his team of people and he wants to eradicate mutants. And the book opens with these two kids, these two African American kids that get 
they, they find out they're mutants and the and their soldiers you know kill them and they tie them up and they put mutie sign on them to be seen in front of this school um so the storyline the first x-men movie took some plot points of this book uh but really loosely i, w- I really wish they would have done the entire book yeah uh, i think it would have been yeah. better for well x2 is included oh, i'm sorry yeah, x2, x2 yeah. i'm sorry um so it's it it's it's some well written prose by Cyclops, um, in order to you know to why the mutants do what they do to try to be accepted in the community, and and William Stryker's points about why they're dangerous. You know we have people that are not human in my eyes, uh, but they can hurt us because they can't control themselves. I thought it was fantastic, Mark. Why did you hate it? I guess I'm coming off wrong. I don't want to say I hated it. I did, in fact, like it. There were some things that appealed to me as a minority. Um, I guess my one issue with it is it just didn't age well to me. Maybe it's Claremont's Hmm. style, but a book as compelling and engaging as it was, it was a little bit of a drag for me to read. Wow. I had to force myself at times to finish it. I could see that. I mean, sometimes I have to be in the mood to really read Claremont. Uh, I mean, once you get going, though, I mean, with uh, like his Wolverine miniseries, once you get past that initial Claremont, Claremontian, you know, right? As long as you get over that first two pages, and then you let yourself get taken along with the story, it's really good. But I can see where Mark's coming from. It, it, Claremont is an acquired taste. Exactly. That's well, well said. So you don't think the book has aged well enough? So that it's still kind of, uh, I mean, we should talk about what graphic novels, quote, were when these books came out. These were, you know, they, the comics industry, you know, makes up a word called graphic novels to appeal to people that don't read comics, pretty much. You know, hey, why don't you read this graphic novel, even though it's I really agree. a comic book. Yeah. Um, and it's a larger format, so it's, it's it, they're originally supposed to be, you know, easily accessible to the non-reader in a more realistic world. You know, there's no backstory that you have to worry about with these characters. It's almost kind of like an ultimate universe before there was, you know, you, you don't need to read a hundred issues of X-Men to get the story. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I think I read it a, a few months ago and I, I thought it was great. I, I think it still holds up. I think this was during the era where Claremont was on the top of his game yeah. and he didn't, I don't think he trailed off for a few years after this. This is like right after dark Phoenix, I think. 1982. I think he wasn't I read the, the copyright was. I think so. He was yet to be the Commodore Schmidt lab. <laughs> Well, well, to what I was saying earlier, do you think that they created a a realistic, plausible parallel for mutants in that society at that time? Personally, yeah, I do. I thought that their argument points were very engaging, both William Stryker, because we've all seen those uh, television evangelists who are just apparently charismatic as hell, or those uber religious people. No disrespect to anybody who's incredibly spiritual, but we love religions. Those devout oh. religious people, to the point of being unreasonable, they really depicted him well. So when you listen to his arguments and you listen to him twist some of these Bible quotes, and you see some of the mass appeal that he's getting from these people. It really did make for a compelling argument, and he was the ultimate bigot. I mean, he, he really killed was. his wife yeah. and child. Oh my god, that was an amazing and uh, then backstory. It, to get over it, to he to get past it, he takes the blame from himself and blames it on a group of people, and that's just that's the story of a million evil people in this world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to get on my soapbox for a minute, um, get on it. There was a scene, I think, in the beginning when. 
Stryker and Xavier were going back and forth on TV. And Charles opened up the debate and said, first off, you're talking, you're referring to mutants, but we're individuals. We should be treated and acknowledged as such. And that's something that even to this day, as much as we joke back and forth about minority stuff, uh, well, now to get back on my soapbox, whenever, how can I say this bluntly? Just do it. Whenever somebody, a black person, Fs up in the media, we all feel it. We all hear about it. And then people look at me like that. Hmm. So it's <laughs> hard to explain. I'm not awful. articulating it well, but it's the truth. Right. At least this is how I feel. So it was nice to have Claremont uh, kind of use Xavier to articulate that. He's like, no, judge me as an individual just because this guy went to jail or this guy effed up. Don't you yeah. cannot hold us as one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there were some legitimately nice, engaging points, and you could tell that Claremont took the material seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. That's that's where he took it seriously. Um, he, I, I think he wanted to take it seriously. Um, but I, I don't know. It just, I, I don't think I liked it as much either. I, I and I don't know if it's I'm ending the show right now. All right. See, you. just kidding. <laughs> Um, it was heavy stuff, but it just, I don't think it was, um, I don't think he had enough time or panels to flesh it out or or something. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of inner monologue, especially with Kitty, Mm -hmm. um, like pointing out the obvious, like thinking, oh, this guy's got a gun. He's going to probably shoot me because... Like, it's just, he was spelling out the obvious because we would have never been able to figure that out for ourselves. Exactly. In two panels or one panel. And uh, so he was just, he's writing out the inner monologue of Kitty or the cops. I don't know, it just felt rushed. But, I mean, I don't, what was it, six issues long? I mean, there was a lot in there. Yeah, six chapters, I think, they used. Maybe but four or five chapters. It just, I don't know, it felt like at times it was just, he tr- he tried to fit it all in because you hit the ground running. There's no build-up. There's no, you know, page one, Reverend William Stryker. Oh, he's the guy that's doing it. There's no putting pin in the blame. There's no, like, right. little loopy side story or whatever. And then and other times, and I know that's the way they talked, like, what really annoyed me. And I know that's the way they talked to Nightcrawler, but, I mean, Kitty's getting ready to, like, be raped or something. And <laughs> she's like, oh, Fuzzy Elf, come and, come and save me, Fuzzy right. Elf. Like, I don't know. It's just at times it was like... Let's, can we get a little more serious here? Like, and when they're in the danger room, that annoyed me too. Like, that when they were whole, training and they ex- explicitly <laughs> yeah. explained what was happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But over exposition, it was heavy with that. But maybe in, in you know that long ago, yeah, yeah, that's Claremont and comics was kind of, still kind of in its infancy as far as trying to tell a little deeper story or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I respect and I like what the subject matter was. I don't know if the execution was all there, but I liked. I mean, I liked it overall. Dale, uh, to your point, I thought using oak drink, uh, Ariel. I can't believe. Is this the first that. instance that she was called Ariel? I think it was. I, I want to say yes because yeah, she was sprite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shadow, yeah cat. shadow cat. But using her as a mouthpiece to tell a story about minorities. She's a she, Caucasian yeah. female. She's Jewish though. Was Is she? she? Yeah, she's one of the. Uh, She's one of the few, like, proud, practicing Jewish characters in comics. Hmm. Really? I didn't know that. Maybe now I feel like a bigot for not knowing that. And as far as they well, went with all the rest of the stuff, you think they would have touched on that. But yeah. yeah. I mean, even going as far as having her drop the N-bomb to her dance instructor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Misty. So Was that Misty? Misty Knight? Sarah. Sandra. I thought it was Misty. 
And I mean, it's not like she didn't call her that by any means, but it was still right. surprising fit, to yeah, read in the comic. It, it fit what, when the, she was trying to drive the point home to the dance instructor, it was a little out of left field, but it worked. It, it's not like she just called her the N-word or something. Okay, and we're back. Yeah, so, Dale, what you were saying. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was, I don't know, that was all weird. I forget what I was saying before. But uh, I think you said something about Kitty Pride, maybe. I don't Kitty know. Kitty Pride. There you she go. She looked like, uh, I, I look I look at Astonishing now when, uh, you know, the, the story arc where she's coming back and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just thank God she looks like, back then, she looked like a, an, a bad Adrian Barbeau. Like, she was just, <laughs> that afro, wow. she was just wolfing in that, in that suit. He went No, there. thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> wow. Jonesy, can you respond to that comment? No, I cannot. You know, Adrian, Adrian Barbeau. For the first time in speechless. From a content standpoint, um, I think I saw that it was copywritten in 1982. I can't believe how yeah, much he got away with, me too, um, in back time. He dropped uh, an N-bomb. He dropped, I thought I saw the B-word in there. And it was just more violent than I anticipated it being. I think the yeah, super, the super conservative um, clench that went on media really didn't happen to the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, uh, once remember when they had the whole thing against rock and roll, and everybody had to come in, and uh, you know, music videos were so tough. I think you can get away with with that kind of thing in the early eighties, but as soon as they stopped, you know, I think you can from a society standpoint. But I was so surprised because the comics authority was still. In full effect. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Was, is, is the comics code on that cover of the graphic I do novel? not think so. Oh, that's a good question. Someone pull that out. I don't think the code held any authority after the sixties. No. And it, while Dale's looking at that cover, um, another thing that was great about or interesting about Stryker as a character was so deep was his hatred of mu- mutants that once he found out that his right hand woman in this whole evangelical thing was a mutant. He just pushed her off a dais and killed her. Yeah. And when somebody brought that to her attention, like, you just killed a person, it was, I killed a demon spawn. Like, yeah. And, I did what was the, right. The only one point I had was um, when he killed his infant son or his yeah. child that was, he said, was a monster. When mutants are born and they have physical deficiencies, are they born that way? Or does Some it, do. It depends. I remember. On the I thought it was puberty. That That's the what X I thought. Gene, the X factor. Yeah, you just, yeah, you just put out the book. Is the uh, code on the cover? I don't think the code's on the cover. No, mm-hmm. that, that was, would explain some stuff. And this actually. is the uh, this is the actual graphic novel. This right, isn't the right. broken down issues, but I think it would still be on the cover if it was the case. There you have it. Very. I mean, they were showing those graphic scenes of Xavier thinking he was getting crucified. That was on the some cross. nutty stuff yeah. when he's yeah. getting crucified and, and vampired up. Point of fact, is this the first Magneto X-Men team-up? I don't think so, because I think he was there in the 70s For when Xavier like, no, left Earth no, or something like that. Um, he, he joined the X-Men after the trial of Magneto in X-Men 200. When, what number was the Dark Phoenix saga? 179, I think, or 182? I'd have to check the years, but I, I remember, I don't think he became the headmaster of the New Mutants until... After X Men Two Hundred, wow! Because he remember he was made into a youth. He was shrunk right. down to a baby. Moira McTaggart raised him, and um, then he was fast forwarded to to an adult. So weird, thirty years ago. And you know, what I totally forgot as I was reading the Jim Lee Claremont relaunch of X Men uh, on the comics app, 
and Moira Mc it was revealed that Moira McTaggart had modified his his uh, DNA almost to make him do good as opposed to him being so violent towards uh, humans that wanted to take down mutants. Wow. So just a butted nut, Dark Phoenix was at 129 to 138. Wow. It's only 50 issues old. He was, he was old in... He was like obviously an old man in this graphic yeah. novel, so I think this was right. before he joined the team as headmaster. And that's... Uh, I thought... <clears throat> I guess art wise, I don't. I just don't think it was my style. But uh, it's very Neil Adams ish. Yeah, you know, you know who that art. You know that Brett Anderson. You know what he did that we talked about was Astro City. Oh, really? oh wow! Yeah. That was him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Kurt Busiek. <laughs> this week, Busiek. Uh, I remember reading in uh, some. Uh, I can't remember what the article is called, but they talk about like myths in the comics industry, and they showed panels that Neil Adams was contracted to do for what would become God Loves, Man Kills. Like, he drew the danger room scene, but something fell through, and they ended up getting a different artist. That actually explains a little bit. Yeah. Um, I guess I like Stryker as a villain. I thought he was compelling. Um, he actually had a rich backstory that we don't really see that much of to this day. Mm-hmm. And I guess I liked him, too, because it's an old cliche, but every villain is the hero in their own story. Like, Magneto will swear to the end of the day yeah, that yeah. I'm doing the right thing. You guys are in my way. Dr. Doom, he's not twirling his mustache thinking, God, I'm evil. It's no, you guys are setting the world back. I am the greatest thing for it. I will take you down if you oppose me. Mm-hmm. And then Stryker with him is, I am a servant of God. I'm not crazy. I'm not evil. I am doing the right thing here. Anybody who opposes me is, well, they're expendable. And those are the villains that usually last. Exactly. Yeah. There you have it. God loves, man kills, split right down the middle among the Paper Keg podcast. Um, Which makes for some good conversation. Absolutely. I love good conversation, if anything. Um, I think it's time that we moved on. Letter column? Two letters. Uh, If anyone wants to email Mark Farrington uh, and disagree with his thoughts... On God Loves, Man Kills, or even Spider Island. Letters, letters at paperkeg.com. I'll read it. Or if there's anybody who wants to have my back against at Slim and at Jonesy Loves Beer. Oh, I got your back. Holmes. Not like Dale underscore A does. I got feel it. free to write us at that same address and we'll get you a letter or twit. Or Twitter twit. tweet. Tweet. I say Twitter sometimes just for the hell of it. And if we don't have your email in this episode, even though it is obviously mid-April, early mm-hmm. April that we're posting it, you know, just kind of put two and two together. We may have recorded two episodes at once. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and we'll get you next time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This one's coming to us from Zach. It says, yo, cool dudes. I realize that Grant Morrison is considered a sacred, amazing treasure, but can we all agree that his run on New X-Men was the worst thing ever made, and some people probably killed themselves after Ooh, reading it wow. by swallowing the pages whole? Turning the greatest... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Turning the greatest villain in comic books into a shuffling drug addict is unforgivable. Additionally, Frank Quitely also made everyone look like a giant, fat-faced baby. <laughs> wow. Here's the question. Was this whole arc some sort of parody? <laughs> wow. I don't know. <laughs> where do you go from there? 
Grant Morrison was Grant Morrison's X Men a parody and a joke on the comic reading public? I disagree. I disagree. I just think Grant Morrison it, it was it was a hit. It was a miss. It was innovative. It was though. a whiff. It I'll was innovative. You, I'll tell you what. It was a big hit in my heart. Yeah. I loved it. Um, I'm going to co-sign with and you. You know on who that. disagrees with me all the time? With that is my friend Michael at Michael Francis on the Twitter. <laughs> Check him out. He hates Grant Morrison's X Men. Does he uh, love Grant Morrison's Batman? I don't know if he likes Grant Morrison anything. Mm. At Michael Francis, I just right know that the show. he is vehemently against Grant Morrison's. New I wish he would write us a letter so yeah. we could read it on the air. I don't Cyclops did. Maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe we'll get lucky. I did like how uh, Cable wore Cyclops' visor. That, uh, that wasn't that new X-Men. It was new X- yes, it was. No, that was after right. New X-Men. Somebody Google because that right now. You've been no. wrong probably six times in oh, the wait, first no. two episodes. <laughs> He's absolutely right. That was right before New oh. X-Men oh. when Cyclops was oh, presumed so dead. So you're telling me it that Grant so Mar- you're telling me right now Grant Morrison wrote an issue where Cable was wearing Cyclops' visors in X-Men. No. Absolutely. Thank you. No. Thank- <laughs> that is not correct. Do we have any more emails? We'll send it in the car. Yeah, we got one more. All right. Let's see here. Who is this coming from? This is coming from Arthur. He says, being a creep, I spend most of my time thinking about sex with comic characters. My biggest fantasy is Wolvesbane because she is some sort of werewolf thing. As a side note, I swear I'm not making these up. Anyway, here's his question. Mark, which character would you most like to have sex romp with? Oh, <laughs> that is wow. That's, a, that's an honest question. That's an honest, honest question. Where do I start? I mean... I mean it depends what I'm, what mood I'm in. I've dreamt about Wonder Woman since I was five. But if I want what I can't have, I want Rogue. I mean, you can't touch her, but you just can't. get one chance. <laughs> one chance. Emma Frost. Have you seen those outfits? Emma Frost is. Uh, then you got silent. You know what? Let's just put it out there. Any ex woman is hot. You know, you at Josie loves beer. Go. You could use a body con. <laughs> you could use a body condom with Rogue. Like the naked gun. <laughs> I would. Jonesy, go. Am I going like movie version of the character? Any comic or, character. I'm not sure if this is what is this is something we should tread on. Movie version based, is almost too tangible though. Based on Jim Lee, Catwoman from Hush. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Dale underscore it. And Cecily uh, Tyner. I mean, she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> look, Sorry, I'm gonna you. Dale, go. Take take from this what you want, what kind of guy I am, but I'm gonna go straight up and go Power Girl because uh, Wow. Oh, uh, wow. Enticing. Those power boobs are quite powerful. Motorboat um, boobs. Probably not, though, because they're steel. Cause you, you yeah, know, probably not. But wouldn't you love back. to try? Wouldn't you love to try? If I had some kryptonite gear on, I would totally do that. Kryptonite but that would kill her. Yeah. That's Slim on Twitter. Go. Slim. Um, Just put it out there. Come on. I don't know. What, what do I like? Uh, Oracle. Yeah. She's she's mm-hmm. she's a catch. Sweet. Jones, do you have move, anything to close this out with? She can't move uh, her legs. Let's see. You're here. appealing to that. That's cute. She can't move her legs. You know, she's a sexy move. woman with. Uh, so she's got confidence. a handicap, Mark. She's Barrington. got confidence, Mark. Okay, Jesus. I look for that. That's in beautiful women. in a woman. Wife's a lucky lady. Thank and you. she's Batman's IT person, so you know. Slim wants that. Jonesy? thank you for tapping the paper cake. A Nerdcast homebrew, sponsored by Dino's Black Car Service. <laughs> I forget the other sponsor. <laughs> and by the loaned copy of Dragon Age Origins, given to me by Dale underscore A. I'm Joseph Beer, and this has been The Paper Cake. She doesn't have any legs. <laughs> Drink! <laughs> <laughs>